HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 27th. This is the 33rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding restaurant editor at a top culinary magazine, and I'm thrilled to have her here. Now, before I introduce her, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip, And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to pitch wisely. Be creative, be concise, and be persistent. But perhaps most importantly, be realistic when you approach the media. Be honest with your clients about expectations and pitch only what makes sense. And there's a fine line between being assertive and being annoying. Try not to cross it. The pitcher's job can be tough, but so can that of the pitchees, who get more pitches than you can imagine. So pitch with a purpose, a good purpose, that is. And that's my tip today. I am so excited to have my guest here. It is Kate Crater, the restaurant editor at Food & Wine Magazine. Her job entails finding new chef talent, and spotting trends in the food and restaurant world. So without further ado, welcome, Kate. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Kate. I'm so happy to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Oh, great. Well, yeah, 45 minutes of, of Kate in my day. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not read a huge bio on you, so I wanted to start with your background and how did you get into the food and restaurant world and, and do writing and editing? You know, I've been in this industry for such a long time. I actually feel like I got into it almost the minute I got out of college. I was driving home from 
my liberal arts school in Ohio, a place called Kenyon, with my dad, and he was a lawyer, and I thought I would end up just going to law school, but he did ask the question, what are you going to do? And I said, I guess I'm going to go to law school. And he was not a happy lawyer, and he said, I think you like to write and you like to eat. Although, actually, I think it was more like I like to eat (laughs) and I like to write. Um, And he said, you should maybe go work at a cooking magazine. And back in those days, that was in the late 80s, food magazines were so much different. They were very, like, things were shot in soft focus and... It was more like a chicken goes around the world, but I was still, I still just loved the idea of it. And so I went to work at Family Circle magazine in London. Oh, okay. Through a kind of fluke, and I've just never, never looked back. And I've, so I've been, I've been working in food magazines almost consistently since then. And so then how did you transfer from, from that writing into food writing because I know you went to cooking school I did go to cooking school I went to um, a fantastic like a legendary school in France called La Varenne and it was run by a woman called Anne Willen and some of the really great food editors in this world have um, have come from La Varenne including Tina Ulaki who is at Food and Wine it Mm -hmm. really there's a fantastic we don't the show is just not even long enough to talk about everyone who went there but you really got this fantastic fantastic education and it was it was run by Anne but the head chef was this guy named Chef Chambret and he would he was that kind of old school French chef who would stick his hand into a pot of boiling stock to get out the veal bones and he really gave you a rigorous rigorous training into you sort of got the background of of um of French cooking and just cooking in general. And then Anne did a lot of cookbooks, so you sort of learned editorial as well. And so that gave me that gave me just a really, really good education. And when I left there, I went to Food and Wine, and, um, and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> when, when was that? When did you join Food and Wine? I went to Food and I got to Food and Wine in 1992. 100 years ago and I left for a little while I was on that dot com thing for a little while so I was gone and then but then I realized Food and Wine's like my family so I came back it is like a family and I think it's a great family to be part of even though looking at it from the outside I mean everyone I've met there you all are so nice and genuine and you produce an amazing magazine oh yay Sherry I think we do but yeah it's fine no I'm not I'm not just saying that I mean it's a magazine you want to read every single page like you can't miss a page yay well it has so many different voices in it but it's you know Dana Cowan has been the editor-in-chief of it for almost as long as I've been there and she's done such a good job and I feel like it's evolved really well as the food you know the food scene's changed exponentially mm-hmm. exponentially in that time and so I think Food and Wine has really done a great job of looking at people and places and restaurants and all the ins and outs of it you know we've watched chefs rise up and become rock stars and now we're watching you know farmers and artisans also get in the spotlight so I don't think there's ever I can't even think that there could be such a good time to be in food and be obsessed with it and want to know about it and read about it and be involved in it yeah, I agree. And you, that was when you were talking, I was going to ask you what's changed. And you, you pinpointed <laughs> some of those things. And uh, so what, what's changed about your role, like when you started to what you're doing now? When I started at Food & Wine, I was a food editor. And um, I'm a very good food editor. I have this, my secret skill in this world is I'm a very good recipe editor. Um, and that gets you almost nowhere in this world right now. But <laughs> I don't think so. Not yeah, well, 
But well, that's a good skill. It's a good skill. It's a good skill. It's like being good at jigsaw puzzles or something like that. You know, it's a kind of thing you can whip out sometimes and impress people. Um, and it's good. It actually is good for readers to that the recipes are you know well edited and everything. But there's it's moved food and wines moved so much beyond that now. When when I started in the '90s, it was such a recipe focused magazine, and indeed we still do great recipes. And they're tested so well, and they all work, and we we swear by all of them. But um, but now we do we cover so many other things in the magazine. And so when I started out, I was a recipe editor, and now I'm the restaurant editor. So I still will edit food stories, and I get to edit recipes, do my do my good job. But um, but now I write a lot more than I used to, and I definitely do a lot more talent scouting and finding of trends and a lot of other things that we're focused on. A food and wine. Right. Well, it looks, I mean, from, from reading the magazine, it does seem, well, you, what, what are your regular, do you have regular columns? I mean, it seems like you do features, trend setters, is that trend spotting, that's the name, right? Trend spotting, yeah. yeah. I work on um, a column that we introduced a little while ago called trend spotting, where we round up really cool trends that we see around the country and around the world. Um, I do Best New Chefs every year, which is... Um, one of the things, it's one of Food and Wine's great platforms, and we find 10 outstanding chefs around the country every year who we get to highlight. Um, I, do, um, I do a lot of where to go next in restaurant columns, and I do something called Most Requested, which is on the back page where we find our favorite chefs and um, get them to tell us some of their favorite recipes or their recipes that people demand the most, and we get to highlight them. So who have been some of those chefs recently? Um, I'm most requested. Yeah. Um, we have, that's a good question, Nancy Silverton is coming up. April Bloomfield has given us great recipes. Just about, I have to say, almost almost anyone you can think of, I think, has um, has been a star on the back page. Um, Tom Colicchio is, I will tell you, Tom Colicchio is coming up. Um, for one, Stephanie Izzard did a fantastic, fantastic skirt steak in a recent issue and she put tomatillos in her salsa it was sort of a fruit salsa and she put um and she put tomatillos in it which gave the salsa this fantastic this fantastic crisp crunch and a little bit of tartness and i couldn't believe knowing i had never tasted it before but that was a great recipe yeah i i love her i haven't i've had her food mostly probably at your events because mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't been to Girl and Goat in Chicago, but I've always rooted for her in a sense because she went to University of Michigan, which is where I went. So it's she's, like we have that Go Blue connection. Yay! <laughs> go Blue. She's um, she's great. She's a really terrific cook. You know, it's great that she won Top Chef and, and that's a really good thing to do. But, you know, that doesn't always guarantee success and it doesn't always guarantee a great restaurant. And I think that I'm so proud of Stephanie and how much good work she's done she's done she's doing in Chicago and then you know it's so funny that we get to highlight her and then I think the month before that we had Jacques Pepin so we really cover a wide range of chefs on that back page yeah I like I mean I do I think the content in the magazine it is as I said you have to read every page but it's always fun to flip to the back and 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 see the chef and the recipe and Mm -hmm. and and what who you're highlighting um so getting back to picking the top 10 chefs of the year so how does that how does that work i mean how do you i find i follow new york city really well but Mm -hmm. i don't follow the whole country and know as much and that's that's your job 
Yeah. I mean, so how do, how, how do you how do you seek them out? Well, I'm from New York, and so I'm, I always think New York is the best. And in fact, in our September issue, we did a we did a really cool poll where we asked. It's it's a very nice scientific poll, but we asked readers what they thought about different cities, and they said that New York City has the best chefs, which I definitely agree with. And and we do. I do feel like we have the deepest bench, as good as the food scene is getting around the country, and it's getting so good in so many places. Um, New York's the best, so I agree with you. It's, you know, we always find the best new chef in New York, but we have these. Um, we go to a group of people um, who can be everyone from food writers to former best new chefs to people that we trust, and we ask them for their recommendations. So we do we do a lot of scouting ourselves. You know, it's really great to read city magazines and see if they're you know super psyched on someone you can sometimes you can like follow trails on instagram and see everybody it happens that everybody's instagramming a dish somewhere or a restaurant or a chef and then you sort of start paying attention to them but most of all we count on um, our trusted correspondents around the country who eat out all the time too and they'll say there's a guy in cleveland who we love there's somebody blowing up in boca there's someone who you should really be paying attention to in oakland and then we check them out we make sure they qualify which means that they have to they um, need to have been in charge of a restaurant kitchen for no more than five years total and then um and then we travel and we go and taste the food ourselves and make sure we think that they are really best new chef caliber which means that they're cooking food that's delicious and creative and it can be creative in a lot of different ways but you really feel like they're doing something and they're making a mark and we think they're going to they have like great futures and we truly believe in them you you're incredible at picking picking these so your process i it works Yay, thank you <laughs> yeah it does so question when you travel and go to these restaurants do they know you're coming or is this anonymous no it's true it, we make it as anonymous anonymous as possible <laughs> as possibly can and we found out Disguises. actually <laughs> no we haven't gone that far we haven't with Rachel well you know she's so good at it um, we'll love, never yeah, sorry yeah, go I mean, ahead go ahead yeah I loved her book and descriptions of that it's amazing amazing what she used to do we um we don't quite go that far but we actually found out um Somehow we found out that um, chefs, some chefs who had won, and if we asked them for nominations, would nominate their friends and then tip them off and then say, okay, we called, so I nominated you for Best New Chef, and what's going to happen is Food & Wine's going to call you and ask, say they're updating their records and ask for all your details and do this, and then they said, in the next couple months, check your phones, check your reservations for 917 for like 212 and 917 <laughs> phones. Seriously, this happened. And it was crazy. <laughs> it, was, it was really hilarious to think about. So we had to start, um, we had to start using like friends' phone numbers or going through um, Open Table. You know, Open Table is really helpful with that kind of thing. Um, but you had, to, you, you had to go through elaborate elaborate um, ways not to if you had a 917 phone uh-huh. number and not to call from the office when you were making a reservation and to use maiden names and it's, <laughs> wow. it's become very elaborate yeah no that's I mean that's that's really cool to know and mm-hmm. uh, when you are you now when you say we are you is that a team of people from food and wine that kind of goes out and takes yeah. turns at restaurants because you I mean, as much as I know you love to travel and eat, you can't go everywhere yourself, right? right? Yeah, I can't go everywhere myself. And so there's um, there's basically 
three editors who travel um, who travel around the country um, checking out restaurants and because we you know we really have to go to a lot of places it used to be that you felt or you you basically found best new chefs in major cities and I do remember there have been some big surprises or not big surprises because it's inevitable but I remember Michael Simon was the best new chef in Cleveland um, in in the late 90s and that seemed that seemed like a good surprise then, and now we find a lot of great chefs there. But traditionally, you know, you knew you would find a best new chef in San Francisco. There would probably be a best new chef in New Orleans, um, and then sometimes in L.A. I mean, now L.A. is a powerhouse. Now mm-hmm. L.A. I think is one of the top three restaurant cities in the country. But you know, more than like twelve or fifteen years ago, not so. So it was really beyond New York, Chicago, and San Francisco, where you felt pretty confident that. In that kind of city with that kind of audience, people would be eating food that we felt was really creative. Um, beyond that, we you didn't really have to travel, or I don't want to say that you didn't really you you didn't have to cover as much ground as you do now. Now, if somebody says, you know what, there's a fantastic this guy is cooking great food in Jacksonville, or this guy is cooking great food in Omaha, Nebraska, instead of being skeptical you're like awesome you know let's go check them out so yeah well the food world's changed and it is i mean there's been a lot of talk about how new york city chefs are leaving and opening in their hometown like gavin Kaysen, and so yeah Mm -hmm. i I could see that and i was thinking wow has has michael simon come a long way since (laughs) since he was the best new chef right yeah no michael simon has done a lot you know michael simon i think you know, so many people know him as a TV chef now, and of course he's great on TV. But really, like when he was cooking, he he really helped change. He he like he and Tom Colicchio are two that I can think of now who who um, made some changes in. Um, you know, when everyone was cooking a certain kind of food, I think they came out and and helped break the mold and helped establish American food in a certain way. There was definitely mm-hmm. California cuisine before that, but those guys um, put next exclamation point I think on a certain kind of cooking here yeah and I always think of him as the guy with the best laugh <laughs> he really does <laughs> right it's the truth <laughs> okay we're gonna take a little break here we're gonna come back so stay with us this is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network White Oak Pastures is the only farm in the United States that has its own USDA-inspected red meat abattoir or slaughterhouse and its own USDA-inspected poultry abattoir or slaughterhouse. We partner with Whole Foods to deliver our high-quality meat and poultry from Miami, Florida, all the way to Princeton, New Jersey. One family, one farm, five generations, 145 years. A full circle return to sustainable land stewardship and humane animal stockmanship. For more information, please visit our website, whiteoakpastures.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Kate Crater of Food and Wine Magazine. So, hi. Hi. Okay, so let's let me jump into my question questions that I had from my last week guest, which was Rita Jamay. Of, love Rita Jamay. Yes. I love her. 
And I didn't say this last week, but what a name. Rita Jamay. I know. Right? Very fabulous. <laughs> she, should, she should be in, like, movies. Like, she could have been a star from movies in the 50s, you know. I mean, she's way too young for that. But she really could have been, yeah. like, some glamorous, fantastic Rita Jamay. So, the yes. The fabulous Rita Jamay of La Caravelle Champagne asked you two questions. So, the first is, how do you go about selecting the restaurants that you visit? And in picking your restaurant itinerary, does it matter if the restaurant is new or already in existence? So I think this goes a little beyond the, you know, we were talking about the, the best new chefs, but just generally when for the magazine restaurants that you're visiting. These are, um, those are both good questions, Rita Jamey. Um, <laughs> I think um, I'll start with the second one, which, um, you know, I like to check out, I, it's, it's part of my job to go to new restaurants and so I do go to new restaurants a lot but they definitely don't have to be new um, I really do like to feel like you know you like to discover the place which is something it's become you know almost a race now and certainly you know when thing you know when eater started I think they they helped fuel that kind of fire of like being there first being before the plywoods off the door you know all that kind of thing and I have to say I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely part of that like I love if I get to feel like I'm in a place early and you sort of get to like put your be part of it but it definitely doesn't have to be a new place and I have a lot of I have a lot of beloved places um, when I used to I used to live in Brooklyn and I felt like I couldn't go to Battersby enough even as I was supposed to be going to a lot of other places I was addicted to Battersby and I get addicted to restaurants so you just have to fight that addiction sometimes and, and keep moving on but yeah well side note because I've been to Battersby and I loved it but I haven't mm-hmm. been to Dover, Dover and they were one of your best, best new chefs, chefs. Uh-huh. okay yeah. See, I do read the magazine. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they. Yeah, no, they won. They were best new chefs. I mean, they were sort of best new chefs for both restaurants. I think technically, we gave them gave it to them for Dover because it's a newer restaurant and they're doing great food there. But I have a big place in my heart for Battersby for that tiny, tiny sliver of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the kitchen is smaller than most people's. Manhattan apartments, smaller, which is small, smaller than the studio, smaller than oh my gosh, mm-hmm. no doubt, <laughs> and um, and they were doing this miraculous thing. You know, they did that kale salad. They helped put kale salad on the map, and their soups were even better than that kale salad, which is a terrific kale salad. Um, so yeah, you there. There's some restaurants that you love, um, and the first part of the question: How do you was, go about selecting the the restaurants? And I'll add to that: Are publicists influential in your decision? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, that's a good question, and I thought that your tip, I thought that your tip, was really, really smart. And it's it's it sounds kind of obvious, but I I wouldn't I don't think I could emphasize it enough to know who you're pitching to. You know, if you're pitching to Food and Wine, we're a magazine, and we like to be we like to be trend forward. We like to, you know, we do things for home cooks. And so sometimes someone will call up and say that they have a new like beverage director or they've added some banquet hall space to their restaurant or their hotel and that's something that we could never cover. You know, it's not it's it, it is doesn't really resonate in our world. Whereas on the other hand, if you can say, you know what, our new cocktail, we have a new cocktail program and we have all these we've been adding all these drinking vinegars or our chef started his own garden, if you figure out a way to make it sound special and it it just helps to pick up whatever whoever you're pitching like whatever the magazine is whatever the publication if you look at the website for five seconds if you you know 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 what you're talking about using an using an example from a past issue it makes 
a world of difference. I can't say it enough. Yes, and thank you for for saying you like my tip. I was hoping you did. I did. It was a great. It's, it's a great tip, really. I can't tell you as you as you say. I think every editor gets a lot of pitches, and you want to meet with people, and you never ever mm-hmm. know, and people, and you don't always know people's stories until you get to meet with them. But um, but it definitely helps to know that someone's thinking about you and knows what you're doing, and they they can make your job easier. Yeah. You know. And it's funny because now that I'm doing this show. I'm starting to get pitches and, <laughs> and I've, yeah, and it's, I, I, I smile every time one mm-hmm. comes in and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're, I could tell they never listen to the show and it just doesn't make sense. And mm-hmm. I, so it's, I've heard, I knew that from, from talking to the media and knowing mm-hmm. what you're interested in, but then actually experiencing it um, mm-hmm. has made me, has made me smile. Mm-hmm. Say, aha, this is what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do. I pick restaurants based on um, a ton of things. I love one thing I love is um, when you feel like you've gotten sort of inside tip on a restaurant. You know, um, like I when a long time ago, Andrew Carmelini, who is the chef at La Conde Verde. Now, I mean, now he has a big empire going and he used to be he was the chef at Cafe Balud for a long time. Um, he was where I think. Frank Bruni called him like one of the best chefs in New York City or in the country. So he's an epic chef. I can't, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of his. Um, and he told me um, about two of his guys who had left, um, left La Condor, left a voce, and were going to open a place called Teresi Italian Specialties. <laughs> and I think it had just opened, and it had just opened as a deli. So I went there for lunch with Andrew Carmelini and I was instantly obsessed with it. And, you know, they've gone on to do these amazing big things now. You know, they have Carbone. They're about to open Dirty French. So I feel like on that kind of thing, sometimes you get to have, like, a little bit of inside info. And and it really helps you to feel, like, you know, when you get to hear something like that, it's always fun to have that kind of info. On the other hand, you know, you're not always, you don't know. (laughs) It's not every time that a great chef takes you to a restaurant that turns out to be like a a huge success, but you, you know, I love to see where Pete Wells is going. I love Pete Wells. Um, I think that when PR people pitch you in a good way and they can say, you know what, we're doing this kind of thing, you know, this guy is doing this kind of thing. And I think you should pay attention to it. And especially if it's a PR person that you trust and you say, you know what, I think that you've, steered me right before and I believe in you then I'll I'll give that place a shot well that's great I, I have a feeling Rita will be satisfied with your answer <laughs> you answered it very thoroughly Phew. yeah no that was great I would not want to disappoint Rita no no either would I <laughs> uh, so what else I wanted to know with with trends or things you're seeing happening in the industry or what's 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 hot now um, you know, it's a it's such a great time right now because it seems like almost anything goes. Really, there's so many there's so many great trends. Sometimes there's like one big thing driving the day, like Italian. You know, a couple of years ago, everything was Italian. Everybody got their pasta extruder. Everybody was doing some kind of pasta. You know, and right now the Italian thing is still going strong. You know, as Andrew Carmelini's like Bar Primi's great. I still like worship Carbone. But French has obviously come back, and I'm speaking mostly about New York right now. But mm-hmm. French is French is big. I feel like people are rediscovering French. You know, the Teresa guys are opening Dirty French. There's Cherish Midi from um, McNally. That burger. 
I know. The burger is amazing, <laughs> but you know, I feel like there's so many other things besides that burger. Like the mussels are fantastic. The cheese course is amazing. The crudite is beautiful. I I went there for my solo dining experience that I do in this show, and mm-hmm. all I had was the burger, but all the food around me looked fantastic, so I would love to go back. It's really, really mm-hmm. good. There's an adorable place called Claudette on the corner of um, 9th Avenue, of 5th Avenue and 9th Street that's lovely, really, really good. Um, I had an excellent meal there. I loved it. Yeah, Corin's there, and Wade, mm-hmm. this guy Wade Moses is, um, I think, the executive chef. And then um, in L.A., um, there's... Petit Trois from Ludo Lefebvre has just, that's just opening now. It's a tiny, tiny place. And they're doing like all these like old school French um, dishes. They do this outstanding omelet stuff with Borsan cheese. It's, um, it's fantastic. Um, he's going to be, we have a story with him featuring some of that food in the October issue of Food and Wine. So I'm excited about that. In um, San Francisco, Monsieur, Monsieur, Monsieur. Oh. I think I could speak French. Um, Monsieur Benjamin <laughs> from Corey Lee is opening. Um, there's Republic in L- back in L.A. So there's the French trend. I feel like people had sort of forgotten how great and how fun and how delicious brasserie food can be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're coming back to it. And we're also, especially here in New York, I think on the cusp of this fantastic taco revolution. I think that in general, the country, you know, there have been great tacos, especially on the West Coast and also in the November, like I got to go to San Diego um, and eat some really amazing tacos, which is for an upcoming issue. But here in New York, um, Alex Dupac is opening up a new mm-hmm. place that's going to be focused on literally like one kind of taco. And then this um, world-class chef, um, Enrique Alvera, is opening a place called Cosme Cosmo in a couple weeks. And he's doing single-origin tortillas, which is fantastic. So I think that people... If, like I think we someone I saw I saw some kind of like a crazy chart and it said that New York is one of the worst taco cities in the country right now or it was 50 of 50 we were at the bottom of the list but I think that's all about to change in the next I first of all I disagree with that mm-hmm. and second of all I think we're about to like shoot up the charts in a very dramatic way well if you're saying it I, be- I believe it <laughs> and I think yeah people have complained about New York's Mexican food just not being stellar mm-hmm. for just as you know I mean we have everything here and I think our food is at such a high standard in every on so many levels mm-hmm. but that's I, yeah that's I, I've heard that yeah no Alex <laughs> Dupac I think I think before I, I think like what Alex did you know Alex pays such great attention to everything he does and mm-hmm. so I think that when he decided that he would leave being a pastry chef and he was like one of the country's great pastry chefs to focus on Mexican food, you know, it was the kind of thing that would you could be skeptical about. But I think it's awesome that he is I think it's awesome what he's done and he's helped pull attention to it. And now, you know, Danny Bowen's making tacos. And I think like I love what Danny Bowen does and I love the energy and his like singular point of view on things. And then I think also um, when Enrique comes to town, that's going to be amazing, amazing for us. Yeah, well, I'm getting very hungry listening <laughs> to you. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back. I'm going to do my speed round game and talk some indus- industry news, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Kate Crater, and it's time for my speed round game. I'm nervous. You should not be nervous. This is a fun, easy game. What it is yeah. is I'm going to ask you two questions, two, give you two things, such as chocolate or vanilla, and you pick your preference. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Wine, beer, or cocktail? All? Can I say all of them? You. This is, there's There's no right or wrong in my game, and everyone wins, so. Yay. Um, I say all of them, but if I had to rank them, I would say cocktail, wine, beer. Great. First ranking. Love it. Okay. Um, tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? That's a really good question. I'm torn on that can you are you allowed to give an explanation as you as you buy time okay <laughs> you're allowed to do whatever you want this but it's a great but, this is my kind of game yeah <laughs> um i think i've seen i think small plates are brilliant and i have a short attention span so in general i love i love small plates but i've seen so many of them that um i i really like the new i like the idea of large plates and platters and um so I'm going to say platters. Okay. Platter food. Great. How about tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Writing or editing? Ooh, that's another good question. You know, editing editing's like a little like... I, I mean, editing's great. Writing's a little bit like running. You know, writing can be so hard... But when you stop, it's like, I feel like I run for that moment when I stop running, when I'm done, and I can see what I've done, and I feel like writing is like that. Like, writing can be excruciating, at least for me, but then you finish, and it's done, and you have a huge, much huger sense of accomplishment than editing. So, I would say 75% editing, 25%, 20, 75% <laughs> writing, 25% editing. Awesome. Love the analogy. Okay, a few more. Sriracha or any other particular hot sauce wow i'm i'm very big camp hot sauce so i would say sriracha plus others <laughs> i'm i love tabasco i love um there's a hot sauce from canada that I can't remember the name of now that is my favorite thing in the world so i i can't i okay. can't exclude anything okay i know you're a hot sauce girl so, <laughs> <laughs> so am i truth cheese plate or dessert wow um cheese plate Last one, Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Cool. I thought you were. You mentioned earlier that. Are you living in Brooklyn now? No, you know what? I moved. I think that's a big part of it. I I moved. I left Brooklyn um, almost almost a year ago. So I thought I, that's. I thought you still lived in Brooklyn. So I mean, I believe in Brooklyn, yeah. and Brooklyn <laughs> Brooklyn has done so much for yeah. the country and everything and everybody. But um, I'm definitely focused on Manhattan now. I mean, yeah. no, it's not just that. I just, I think, I think Brooklyn doesn't even need my help anymore. You know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's doing just fine with, with every booster that they have and all the fantastic creativity that they have. And um, so I miss Brooklyn, but I'm, I'm Manhattan right now. Oh, terrific. Well, thank you. That was the mm -hmm. game. That was a good game. Thank you. So let's play. Let's play. Let's mm -hmm. talk some industry news. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first thing I just wanted to bring up how James Oslin 
the editor-in-chief of Sever magazine, it was announced in the New York Times that he is leaving to start a new magazine at Rodell. And then Eater, I read a piece there that they he's going to, it's called Organic Life, and it's they're transforming Organic Gardening Magazine, which is a 62-year-old magazine, and it will cover food, garden, home, and well-being. So I thought that was, you know, he's been with them since 2006. Yeah, no, James is James is a visionary editor. He does a really, really good job. I think, you know, Sever has always been a great magazine and covered a niche that um, a niche that is great, great to cover. But I feel like James James took it without changing it dramatically. I think James did a really good job of of like putting it up on a pedestal and giving it a spotlight. And um, I think it will be really exciting to see what he's going to do at Organic Living. Yeah, me too. And I'm actually, then I later saw that my friend Erica Ducey, whose husband is Jono Pandolfi, who came on the show. Mm -hmm. He's a ceramics designer. He does all 11 Madison Park Mm. and those restaurants. So Erica is going to Sever in their digital department. So Mm -hmm. I think there's changes going on. There and I think that's why James also left because there were changes about mm-hmm. to happen. I didn't know. I, did, I don't yeah. know the side stories of that, but I, I do think that James is very talented and brings a fantastic perspective yeah. to what he does. So I agree. Looking forward to seeing seeing what he does at this new magazine. Okay, next story. Mm-hmm. I think you will be very familiar with this one. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to talk about. Okay, so the Chefs Club. Yay! Is is opening in New York in the Puck Building, and this is Food and Wines Magazine's restaurant of curated a curated selection of visiting chefs, and it started in Aspen. So, I'm not going to talk yeah. more about this. You tell us about this. It's exciting. You know, I don't think I don't think anybody at Food and Wine um, planned on getting into the restaurant business, but you know, especially through our best new chefs, we get an opportunity to taste so much great food from so many great cooks around the country and we thought it would be fun to sort of curate them to give people a sense of having like multiple you know it's like a band now and so when you know it's great to have like one great chef in the kitchen of course like we'll forever love that but it's also fun when you see four hyper talented chefs um and get to see what they do. You know, it's like going to the best potluck in the whole world or having the opportunity to choose all these great dishes. And so we d- we've done it very successfully in Aspen and we're launching it in New York in October in the Puck Building. And um, it's going to be fantastic. Our first four chefs um, are all best new chefs. One of them is Lachlan McKinnon-Patterson, who's at Frasca Food and Wine in Boulder. Another is Eric Anderson, who was at the Catbird Seat in Nashville, and he's opening up a place called Brute in Minneapolis. And then there's also... Um, Gabriel Rucker. Exactly. Thank you, Gabriel Rucker from Le Pigeon in um, Portland, Oregon. Everybody loves him. And then Linton Hopkins mm-hmm. from Atlanta. So we got these great chefs from all around the country who represent different things. And they're, they're going to have dishes on the menu, I think, at all times. And then they're going to come and make, um, periodically throughout the year, they're going to come and like make guest appearances and be there for dinners and stuff. So it's going to be really cool. I can't wait to go. And then Didier Elena. Didier. Uh-huh. Didier. 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 Uh-huh. That's no French for me either. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 um, he's overseeing the whole okay. project. Yeah. So it's good because those chefs are all, you know, those chefs have their own restaurants to run and to work on. 
as well. And so Didier is going to be there and oversee the day-to-day operations and, and cook. There's going to be another menu besides these um, fantastic chef's food. There's going to be a menu of Didier's food as well. So he has this really, he has, I think, what sounds like a really hard job, but a really cool job, too, of cooking his food and then also getting to work with these chefs and making sure their food is great as well. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And having gone to Aspen Food and Wine Classic, mm-hmm. I'd been to the original, and I love the concept. And I'm due to go back to the classic, too, because oh, um, I love it. It's 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 the best. It is. Certainly the best. It is. Everyone should go. I, I wish for everyone to come, because it's really fun. It's like being at the best big, small party, and, you know, you'll see, like, Mario Batali walking down the street and, you know, and just bump him. Yeah, like, you can do everything. He's it's It's a really, really good time, but... One thing that we've learned from seeing all the best new chefs, you know, they all cook in the tasting tent. And you get a chance to taste all their food. And I think that might have helped, like, give everyone the idea, like, everyone should be able to taste these best new chefs' food instead of having to travel to, like, one city and another. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Awesome. Looking forward. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so we're, we're a little short of time, so I'll just give a shout-out to Batard, the team, yeah. the Myriad Restaurant Woo. Group. Uh, Tracy Nieporn, who was on the show recently, this is this is his new place, and they they got three stars today in the New York Times, and super, super excited glowing. for them. It's a fantastic glowing review, and all those guys, Marcus and John Winderman and Drew mm-hmm. Nieprant, they're all fantastically talented people. It's a great review and well deserved. Yeah, I agree, and it looks like they're having a lot of fun with mm-hmm. it too. So congratulations. Okay, we're gonna take one more break. We're gonna come back. I'm gonna do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, recently I found myself in the Times Square area, and I was looking for a bite to eat. So I decided to check out this brand new, huge restaurant. It's called Urbo. It's on the corner of 42nd Street and 8th Avenue, right across from Port Authority. Now, this space, when I say huge, okay, it's 26,000 square feet. Three levels, 600 seats, and I read that the design cost $29 million. Wow. <laughs> I, I Googled oh that God. again because <laughs> I wanted to make sure that was the number, but that's what came up. Um, this is this is restaurateur Eugene Kudomsky. He has 70 places in Russia. So this is his first New York restaurant. The chef is Brian Young, who worked at Quilted Giraffe, La Bernadette, and Tavern on the Green. Okay, so I went in, and granted, it was a Monday night, but there were literally only five of us in the restaurant, and I felt terrible because this place is so big, and, um, you know, they were so nice to me, and I really want them to do well, 
but I have I really don't know how they're going to fill all those seats. Um, you know, I went to sit at the bar, and then I there were there were a few bars. There were different chefs counters, so I sat at one of them. Um, I went with the Herbo Farm Salad with salmon, and the salmon was really fresh. Um, the salad was was good. I I wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, for twenty one dollars, I was I was expecting a little bigger or a little fresher. I mean, I hate to put it down, but it wasn't. I wasn't wowed. Um, but again, the staff was so gracious, and the manager offered. At the end, I told him I worked in the industry, and he gave me a tour. I went upstairs. The space is really impressive. Um, it's gorgeous, and I, I wish them well. I, 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 I think it's going to be hard to fill that many seats, but um, if people should check it out because um, it's a, it's cool and it's in Times Square, and I think we're all always looking for places in Times Square to go. So their website is herbonyc.com. Okay, so it's time for the final question. Now, Kate, next week I'm having on Ben Leventhal. We all know Ben from being a co-founder at Eater. He is also now the co-founder and CEO of Resi, which is a new mobile app uh, for restaurants, for people who are, you know, tired of the hassle of getting reservations is what they say. So, Um, Ben Leventhal, what are your questions? Um, I guess one of them, you should help me, Sherry. What's a good question for Ben? What's a good question for Ben? I mean, there's a million questions for Ben, basically. I don't know. I mean, what are you... I mean... This is silly. I'm, I'm so curious about his obsession with The Bachelor, but do you know... Do if you follow him on Twitter? No, is he obsessed with The Bachelor? He live tweets The Bachelor. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, Ben, <laughs> what's up with your obsession with The Bachelor? That's one question. Um, and... I want to know, well, I kind of want to know what's his favorite. He has his, um, his restaurant, his, like, his restaurants that he picks, you know, his favorite restaurants are fantastic. I want to know what his top five restaurants in New York City are right now. Awesome. I think your question's a little better than mine, but I'm curious <laughs> about my question, too. <laughs> Me, too. Okay, great. Well... That went quickly. Um, thank quickly. you so much. Awesome. Oh, my gosh, Sherry. How great to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you. It's been, it's been a true pleasure. And you, you, I learned so much. So, oh. Yeah, you're amazing. The magazine's amazing. People need to read Food & Wine if you're not already. And for you, if anyone missed it, um, I'm talking with Kate Crater. She is the restaurant editor at Food & Wine magazine. Their website is foodandwine.com. Kate's social media is Kay Crater, and you need to follow her on Instagram because she takes awesome, awesome photos. Oh, thank you. You do. Now, for me, I'm at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All, in- all, in the in- all Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com. If you miss this live broadcast, you can always find us archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to my engineer, Jack, and thanks to Kate. Thanks, thanks, thanks. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Oh, quick note. um, I'm going to be away next week. So the next live show will be on September 10th with Ben Leventhal. So I hope you'll tune in then. It will be at 4 o'clock as usual. Happy Labor Day. Yeah, have a wonderful Labor Day weekend, everyone. Bye. Listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>